Well, so good to see you all. My name is Andy. I'm the church leader here of Concord Church. And we are in a series. Uh, In fact, we're on the second week of a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And uh, Niall kicked us off last week with a sort of overview of some of the themes and some of the things that have been coming up um, during that time and um, uh, during this sermon series. And today we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes. So the very beginning of the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. So we're going to go to Matthew 5, verse 1 to 12 and I'm going to read it to us. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wonderful. Well, We are, as I said, carrying on in this sermon series, and uh, this Sermon on the Mount is a pivotal part of Jesus's teaching. It's his kind of manifesto, the sort of epitome of his guidance and his teaching. And what we see in this is a, a really sort of powerful message that isn't so much a kind of laying down of some really smart ideas. It's the revealing of the truth behind the world. It's revealing the kingdom of God, fulfilling the law and the scriptures that came before him. We read at the beginning of this chapter chapter and of this verse that Jesus went up on the mountainside. It, It sort of reminds those reading the scriptures who are from the sort of Jewish tradition, that Jewish, uh, that Jewish faith uh, of which Jesus was, that Actually, Moses went up the mountain to receive the law from, uh, from God. And so in some ways, it's sort of as a hinting that Jesus is doing something similar. He is giving divine teaching in this time. And um, it's, it's not only a sort of worldwide vision, these truths that we see, but it's also a personal one of how we can respond to Jesus and how we can live. Now, um, it's Sunday. It's, uh, it's our, we're having a, a wonderful lunch after this. Um, it's also the AFCON uh, final tonight, um, which I've been, I've been really, really rooting for. I don't know. I've got a lot of, I've got, I've got a lot of hearts for Nigeria, if I'm personally honest. But there's, uh, have we got any Ivorians in as well? Ivory Coast by Nigeria? Um, there's a lot of Nigerians in the house. We've got, we've got, a, we've got a lot of Nigerians at our church, which is pretty awesome. Um, I'm, I'm personally invested in it because Shemi Ajayi, who is a West Bromwich Albion player, which is my team, has started every game for Nigeria and they are bossing it so I'm kind of on that side tonight um, so it's a fun day it's an exciting day um, and uh, but we've got um, we're digging into these beatitudes because I think there is something in there that is better than a bring and share lunch or winning the AFCON final 
I think actually um, there's something amazing in here, a vision of how we can live our lives. Now, I just want to ask you a question. What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were young, when you were, when you were little? What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, feel free to shout some out. Is any, did we have any sort of firemen? Anybody want to be a fireman? Yes. Sarah wants to be a, a fire, or fire person. What's the word? Fireman. Okay, that, that works. Why not? Firefighter, that's it, fighter, that's the one, firefighter. Um, any uh, Police officer, anyone? Dancer, lovely, or dancer if you're from where I'm from. Professional cricketer, nice, love that. We've got a few who wanted to be that. Uh, anything else, any, what, what have we got? Oh dear, um, I'm not going to repeat that one. There's some swear words over there. Um, uh, but a footballer, I suppose, just about. Uh, we could probably classify that. Um, well... I, don't, I wonder if any of these things that you saw in that passage of the Beatitudes were a goal for you. Were they things that you wanted to be when you grew up? I wanted to be, my thing when I wanted to grow up was I wanted to be rich. For a time, I wanted to be a spy. Um, and then another time, I just wanted to, I wanted to work in business. I wanted to be famous slash just make money was what I wanted to do because I wanted to buy my mum an E-type Jag because that's what she wanted. And then I became a vicar. So that dream kind of slightly went out the window. Um, but there's a lot that we will often want in our lives, won't we, when we're growing up. We want a house, a job, family, stability, those things that we might see as good things, flourishing in our lives. In, in the US, they often use this, well, there's a sort of term going around Instagram and those kind of things, if you're cool, um, TikTok perhaps, uh, hashtag blessed, um, to say that when you sort of acknowledge that there are good, there's good things that are going on in your life, something that you're sort of flourishing in. Now, I wonder, did anybody want to be poor in spirit, mournful, meek, hungry for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemaker, persecuted for righteousness sake, insulted, persecuted and lied about. They probably weren't on your ambitions as you were growing up of what you wanted to be when you grew up. But what we see here is that Jesus proclaims that these things are blessed. And today I'd like to look at how this is true while understanding what blessing means and who exactly is blessed in this and how we can receive and know that blessing in our lives today. And so what is blessed or blessed if you're sort of, I don't know, I feel like I grew up saying blessed is that. I don't know why, that was just what we did. Um, well, that word blessed, blessed is really important. And it's kind of a part where our language fails us a little bit in translating what has been found in the original Greek that this was written in. And um, as we go on, we'll see that the idea of something being blessed is kind of an upside down nature in Jesus's teaching. It's different to what the world would say is blessed. That's the point of this passage. But it's firstly, it's quite helpful for us to know what exactly did Jesus mean when he used this word and what did people hear when they heard this word blessed? What were they thinking about? And we, we've sort of hinted at it a little bit. Um, but the word makarios, which is what, what was in the Greek, is, is a kind of, it's this moment, and Niall mentioned it last week, it's this sort of idea of flourishing, that good things are happening almost to you. And um, I kind of see it almost like as if, as if you were sort of having a toast and you say like, good for them, good for for them, you know, it's good, good that that's happening, not in an ironic way. Sometimes they're like, oh, good for them, don't we, sarcastically. Um, but we say it sort of, because you're sort of like, it's good that this is happening. There is goodness there. 
And likewise, in Luke's gospel, in, uh, in Luke 6, there's a, they, there's a sort of similar phrase, similar passage, um, where he, he throws in some woes. So he says like, he says like blessing and woe. And woe is like, it's like good for them. But then woe is like, oh, it's bad for them that this is happening. So it's not necessarily um, exactly how we think, but it's kind of acknowledging that there is a good thing happening to these people. And um, what he isn't doing is he's not sort of making a judgment in this moment. He's not sort of giving an opinion of like, well, I like these and I don't like these. I think really what we can see here is that Jesus is observing a truth and he's pointing that out to people, that they are blessed. It's kind of an observation of something that we cannot always see. And so it's hooray for them and such a shame for them, as it were. And it would almost seem upside down to them, the things that Jesus was pointing out. So what was he saying? What's the sort of blessings? What are they? Well, there's a a real irony, isn't there, that these things don't appear to be good things at all. Um, poor in spirit is, is not a good thing to be, to be sort of low, to feel like you are not uh, perhaps even a sort of religious low, a, a sense of like, I don't feel God is close to me, being poor in spirit, mournful, meek, hungry, hungry for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker, persecuted, insulted, lied about. Those sort of things that actually look like difficulties in the world, tough things that we don't really ever want to come across, There is something beyond those that Jesus is pointing to. And so often when we see that hashtag blessed online or when we acknowledge blessings, we see it from a sort of worldly viewpoint. You've got a new job, hashtag blessed, or, you know, you've you've just bought a new house and those things are flourishing. So I don't think Jesus is saying that those things are not good things. But he's saying that actually there is something about those who are struggling, those who are suffering, those who are experiencing oppression and persecution, that there is blessing for them and for you. And uh, I think there's something about it, that there is a, a, it's something about the heart and the spiritual world that we see. In verse 3 and verse 10, it sort of bookends these beatitudes. And he, he uses the phrase, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there is a spiritual kingdom that God is, uh, Jesus is highlighting in this, that's saying the kingdom of this world, the things that are of this world are different. And the things that are blessed in the spiritual world, in the kingdom of God, look different to what you might imagine. They look like those who are struggling, those who are suffering. And I'd love to just take the first blessing, as it were. We're not going to just work through them all because I think we want to take them as a whole passage to understand them all of what Jesus is trying to say. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And Dallas Willard, he, he, he says the spiritual zeros. And those people that, don't, that aren't high up in the religious system of the day, those that aren't, don't wear dog collars, those that aren't high up in the synagogue or have hats on that they probably shouldn't be wearing or whatever it is. Those, that doesn't mean that you are blessed in this world. Jesus is pointing out that even those who are feeling like spiritual zeros, feel far from God, they are blessed. There is something that is happening that is more. And those that are in the world's eyes, 
look like everything is going well for, those that take up positions of authority, don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are viewed kindly upon or blessed in God's eyes and that they even are going to inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus points out that it's harder, uh, harder for a rich man to get through, uh, the, sorry, to put a camel through the eye of a needle than to enter the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say it's impossible, but he says it's hard. And why is that? It's something about the heart. And God's heart is for the poor, the suffering, those who are struggling. And as the hearers of the day would have been listening to the Beatitudes, called out, spoken by Jesus, in their ears would have been Isaiah 61, ringing loud and clear. In fact, Jesus, he proclaims it at the beginning of his ministry. And it says this in Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Jesus is talking to those in society who are looked down upon, those outside of the religious order and religious powers, those feeling crushed under the empire of the Romans, those caught up between feuding people, those peacemakers who often get the blame uh, when people are trying to make peace amongst two people who are probably at blame themselves. Those who mourn, those who have lost friends and family they care about, those who feel that God doesn't speak to them directly, they are blessed. And one temptation here, that I've heard preached, which is quite sad, is to get the wrong end of the stick and sort of put these things on pedestals as if they're virtues to try and achieve, that we need to try and be poor in spirit or we need to try and be meek or try and be mournful. And, and, and I think to some extent, there are some virtues within these that are sort of Christian. You know, to be merciful, I think, is definitely a Christian virtue. So I'm not saying that that, that isn't a good thing to do. But I do think that that, lo- that misses the point of what Jesus is trying to say through these Beatitudes. And I think a, a sort of a signifier for this is most of those things we don't have control over. You, you can't you, you know, we don't have control whether we're going to mourn because un- unless you're sort of mourning something that you've done, um, it's something that happens to you. If you're persecuted, it's something that happens to you. If you're lied about, it's something that somebody else does to you. And so I would say the Beatitudes, there's something going on here where we don't want to see these things as virtues in themselves. What Jesus doesn't say is, blessed are the poor in spirit because they are poor in spirit. He doesn't say that. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so there's something more. The blessing is in spite of and in the midst of that suffering and that situation. The blessing is something bigger. So what is the blessing? I keep talking about it and I'm not really making much sense, I'm sure. Well, the blessing is Jesus. The blessing is him himself. 
It's Jesus and all that comes with knowing him. That is what the blessing is to those who are persecuted, those who are suffering. Now, um, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, Gladiators was on the TV on a Saturday night. Um, Gladiators has made a comeback. Has anybody watched it since it came back? A few people in the house. Nice. I haven't actually watched it yet. I'm not sure if I can bring myself to it. Um, But apparently it's very similar to what it used to be. Um, But also I remember on a Saturday night back in the day was something called Blind Date with Scylla Black. Does anybody remember Blind Date? Yeah, just about a little bit. I think there was a sort of modernized version called Take Me Out that was kind of like Blind Date, but a sort of slightly similar system. Uh, That was while I was at uni. I used to love that show. Um, Bear with me, bear with me. We're going somewhere, don't worry. Um, I do think that there is something quite nice about that game show. And I don't know if you remember it, but the game show is that the, the winner of the game show gets to go on a date. I mean, and you don't get to see them until the end of it. You get to go on a date, or I think they sort of scaled it up. It became like a holiday um, with that other person by the end of it. Albert Dock, they went to the Albert Dock at one point. I I mean, if you watch Take Me Out, it was the Isle of Fernando, I remember. Um, But there was quite a few different places. And um, they got to go on a date. But the, the goal, and I think the aim, was supposed to be that actually a relationship might form out of the, win- the sort of prize of Blind Day. I must admit, I think the majority of people just wanted a free holiday um, and didn't really care who they went with. Um, but the idea, I think, ideally, was that a relationship might form at the end of it. And always the following week, they'd get them back on and they'd be like, do you think you'll ever you know, meet up again? And usually it's like, no, nah, no, definitely not. Um, but sometimes it was like, yeah, actually, yeah, we might do. And, you know, that was really lovely. Um, Now, what I'm not saying is that the Beatitudes are like some sort of cosmic version of blind date. Um, But if we're looking at the blessing, the good thing that comes out of this passage, it's not about the holiday or the prize money or whatever it was that we got. It's about the relationship. The relationship with the person that speaks the blessing. The person of Jesus. And That is how these people are blessed. They are blessed in him, detached from Jesus. If we ignore Jesus and take these teachings as just good teachings, fun things to to sort of help us in our day-to-day life, which is so often the case, and it has formed our society, and we're in this point where we're kind of trying to, well, a lot of people are trying to pull away Jesus from these good teachings. If you detach them, at their worst, they sound like platitudes. They're just saying, oh, well, keep going because you know, you're not going to get anything good in this life, but when you die, everything will be fine. Um, and and if, if, to be honest, that isn't a real comfort if you're, if you're struggling. That isn't a real comfort at all. So at the worst, if we detach Jesus from these teachings, they actually become patronizing um, and they become quite harmful in themselves. Because Jesus embodies the Sermon on the Mount. He is not there to give some good teaching and then go away. He is there to proclaim a new way of living, a new life, a new kingdom. And I guess the irony of these blessings, these beatitudes, is that they cannot be fully understood or even lived out without knowing the person of Jesus. 
It's interesting how at the beginning of this passage, Jesus sort of goes up this hill and in front of him are the people. And then there's the disciples there as well. And you're not really sure, who is he talking to? Is he talking to the disciples and saying, you will be persecuted, blessed are you when you're persecuted? Or is he talking to the people? Well, I think we can see in this that he's talking to both. And the sort of, the sort of crux of the argument in this is that those that hear and understand of the crowd, of the people, become his disciples in learning of these blessings. So in some ways, it's for both. It's the gospel for both, that they are all blessed when they understand, when they can hear, when they know that it's that person of Jesus, who is what all the scriptures have spoken about. The law that Moses proclaimed was always going to be fulfilled by the King on earth, Jesus Christ. He's saying all of this stuff, all of this pain that you're experiencing, I am the solution. I am the way, is what he was saying. And I love how Dallas Willard summarizes it. I'm just going to read a little passage. It's a little bit meaty, but it's, it's wonderful. So it says this, No one is actually being told they are better off for being poor for mourning, for being persecuted, and so on. Or that the conditions listed are recommended ways to well-being before God or man. Nor are the Beatitudes indications of who will be on top after the revolution, as some people might hope. They are explanations and illustrations drawn from the immediate setting of the present availability of the kingdom through personal relationship to Jesus. They single out cases that provide proof that in him, the rule of God from, the, from heaven is truly available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope. The rule of God from heaven is truly available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope. So being spiritually poor then, it's not a virtue that we want to acquire or even a prerequisite for God's blessing to access him. It's something that we realize we are. We are spiritually poor. When you can see Jesus in his fullness, when you enter into a relationship with him and you understand his love for you, his grace for you, that in all of the people in the world, he chose you and he made, made a way for each of us, every single one of us. He made a way for you to know him in your spiritual poverty. That is when we realize the abundance of the kingdom, the blessing of the kingdom, the mercy of the kingdom. We see the grace that he has for us. So, who are blessed of the Beatitudes? Who are these people? Well, it's those who hear the words and put them into action, as Jesus says later on. Blessed, they're those who see the new thing that God is doing in their lives and in the, back in the day. They're those who understand his words because they see the story of Jesus in them. And they take the Beatitudes and put them in the wider story of God, the wider story of what Jesus came to do on the cross. And they're those that hear that, they understand it, and then they follow in obedience. That is what Jesus is offering, a way of living 
for those who are lost and wandering. He's offering them hope and mercy and peace. But he's also saying, I will show you. I will show you what to do. And you know what? He doesn't say, which is sometimes the temptation of the church, that he will welcome you and show you, and that will lead to material or worldly blessing. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, in fact, actually, it'll be the opposite. You'll probably have it even worse if you follow me. There'll be persecution will come your way. But he is saying, I will be there with you. And that relationship is what it's all about. It changes everything. And I guess, just as I finish, the grace of Jesus is for everybody, even the rich, But it's difficult for them because those things that are worldly can so often ensnare, can so often challenge the heart. In some ways, it's a little bit easier when you have nothing um, to see the good things in this world, to see Jesus in his fullness. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling hashtag blessed, then maybe it's a time to think, actually, okay, how am I actually blessed? Like, what are the things, how is my relationship with Jesus, the sovereign Lord of the universe, who cares so deeply about you, that he would forgive your sins? He would bring you, out, bring you in from out of the cold and wrap you in his arms to walk with you daily, to be with you, to lead you for this life and into eternal life with him. So... In what way are you blessed? Jesus. Jesus is the blessing. How are you blessed? Jesus. For what are you blessed to do? It's to serve Jesus. Let's receive him in your heart today as you receive that blessing. I'm going to pray as we finish. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for these words to us, these blessings, these acknowledgements of those that are blessed in the world. And we thank you that all blessing comes from you. All good things come from you. And Lord, we thank you that you have shown us a way to live. And God, I pray that you would grow our faith. You'd reveal to us more of who you are and that you would help us to be obedient in our ways, that we would continue to grow in you and learn from you and to serve you in all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. 